Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. This is the SI Fantasy Podcast. He's going to see his production decrease at least 15 to 20%, so I think he might actually be a fantasy bust in 2020. Head to SI.com slash fantasy for all the latest news, advice, and more to help you win your league. I look at his athletic ability, his explosiveness. He's very good in the red zone. He's able to get you those touchdowns. I mean, this guy had five touchdowns and 30 receptions. That's pretty much unheard of. Don't forget to subscribe to SI Fantasy Plus for even more content you won't find anywhere else. Every single running back in his first year as the featured back under Andy Reid, dating back to 1999, has been the RB10 or better. How can we go wrong here with the glide, guys? Here are your hosts, Corey Parson, Dr. Roto, and Michael Fabiano. What's up and welcome inside the SI Fantasy Podcast. I'm your host, Corey Parson, the Fantasy Executive, coming to you on Fantasy Football Week here at SI.com. And it's time to start getting ready for America's favorite hobby joining me as always is my main man michael fabiano and dr roto doc didn't get the chance to chill with you and talk fantasy football with you earlier this week how's everything going my man things are going well glad to be here you know a lot going on in the world but uh, we're focusing on that and we're focusing on fantasy football so we're here for people to give them the best advice for their drafts that are upcoming Fabiano, those drafts are coming up. You know what I'm saying? Me and you got a chance to talk and chop it up earlier this week. Some of the things that we have on the rundown and planned for the day, I think me and you may do some disagreeing in this. I don't know why you're coming from my head, Fabiano. <laughs> I ain't coming for anybody's head, man. I'm just bringing it, dude. Sort of, uh, you know, I, I'm assuming you're talking about a couple of Cleveland Browns. That's, that's Yes, I, I am talking that, about that, a That's what I assume uh, that you're mentioning right now. <laughs> yeah, you're you, talking about, about it. It's always a Nick Chubb conversation. I, listen, I, I, I can't. You know what I'm saying? So we're going to touch on that a little bit, and then everybody will say, oh, this, that, and the third. I don't want it to be like if you – the people that remember me from the FNTSY days – Remember the day that I said the year that I said Isaiah Crowell was a first round draft pick and he was a massive bust and they never let me live that damn. But when I told y'all Antonio Brown would be wide receiver one one way back before it happened, you know, I didn't get the credit for that one. But that's what it is in this business right here. So getting ready to talk some fantasy football drafts are coming up this week. SI.com, SI Fantasy Plus is your go to place to get all the correct information. And if you're looking for a league, play FFWC.com. Shout out to the commission, Scott Atkins, doing a great job over there. So we got you all covered. Doc, let's start out, talk about David Montgomery. He went down yesterday. Everybody was like, oh, got to go grab Cordero Patterson. And I'm like, if you're going to go grab Cordero Patterson, you should know that you need to stay away from the Bears offense. <laughs> <laughs> if, you're, if, if the answer to the question is Cordell Patterson, the, the, probably the question is, why am I going to lose my fantasy football league? <laughs> I mean, mm -hmm. look, he's a gadget guy, and he's looked good in spots. And I think also a lot of people are like, oh, get Tariq Cohen. Tariq Cohen can't handle that many touches. So, look, it's it's a crazy day for the Bears. I feel badly for Montgomery. I know that he was jumping up draft boards. He went in, like, the second round of a draft I did this weekend, guys. It was crazy. But, I mean, he's going to be out for two to four weeks. I would think more toward four because that was a rough injury there. Um, I, I think, look, you want to upgrade Allen Robinson? I think I would. You want to upgrade Tariq Cohen? I think I would, but I wouldn't put Tariq Cohen more than a fifth round pick. I mean, he's still around about sixth or seventh round pick at best. So 
it's rougher. What happens is Montgomery is a good running back, and now there's another one off the board, which makes the other ones left even more valuable. What do you think, Mike? Break down Montgomery and this Bears offense for me. How are you looking at it as we get ready to head into a major draft weekend? I mean, at this point, I don't have any shares of Montgomery. And, and it's not like I would draft him as a, as a running back three, but I just don't have any shares at this point. And clearly his stock is going to drop a little bit. But at the end of the day, maybe that's a good thing. If his stock drops to the point where, hell, I'm going to take him and get a discount because he's going to miss two to four weeks. The football season doesn't start for a couple of weeks. And so if I lose him for the first two weeks, he wasn't going to be more than a flex starter regardless. Maybe I take that discount uh, unless the Bears sign someone, right? And Doc is right. Tariq Cohen's not a featured back. Ryan Nall could be a name that you want to look out for uh, in the okay. interim in a very short sort of period of time until David Mont- Montgomery comes back. Everyone's going to be talking about Devonta Freeman at this point with Chicago now hurting at the running back position. But as I said, Montgomery is somebody that may, maybe I take the discount on now because it's only a couple of weeks. Ryan Nall, somebody to just, you know, put in the back of your mind, see what happens. And overall, Chicago's defense didn't bring us a lot from a fantasy perspective anyways, outside of, of course, the great Allen Robinson. All right, Doc, so this is what I'm going to do with you right now, and then I'll bring Fabs in on this also. Give me, I'm talking tight ends, Doc. Give me a number 1 to 12. Well, Kelsey... One. Oh, no, no, just give me a, just, just give me the number between give me a number between one to twelve. In oh, okay. For you, number six. All right, number six in tight end ADP right now is Tyler Higby. Interesting. Showed some flashes last year. You gotta like the offense, obviously, what they're able to do. I don't know if I want Tyler Higby as the sixth tight end off the board, though. Yeah, but Ian Ritchie may disagree with you. And I, I tend to agree with Ian Ritchie a lot. That guy, he was the former number one player in the world. That's true. Here, Here's the thing about Higby. You know, he had a he excelled because Gerald Everett was hurt. Now Gerald Everett is back. And how does it how do they both fit into that offense? So are we going to get the Tyler Higby who had hundred yard games and droves at the end of last year? Probably not. Are we going to get a guy who can catch, I don't know, 60 passes for 750 yards and maybe six touchdowns? Probably. Is he the sixth tight end? I don't think he's the sixth tight end off my board, but he could be the ninth or tenth or eighth or eighth or ninth. Nothing wrong with that. I'm not the, one of those guys who ever takes a Kelsey or a Kittle too early. So Higby's usually right in my wheelhouse when I take my tight end somewhere around seven, to, seven through nine. Fabs, what is your what is your thoughts on Higby and what is your overall tight end strategy? I always wait. I really do. I wait until the middle rounds. At that point, I'm likely looking at a guy like Higby. Hunter Henry, for example, is somebody that I have a bunch of shares of. Evan Ingram, Hayden Hurst, those kind of players. If Rob Gronkowski's still there in the ninth or 10th round, I'm taking him. But I tell you, I, I look at fantasy football calculator. He's coming off the board 72nd overall. Hell to the no. I'm not going there with Rob Gronkowski, but I'll take him a little bit later on. You know, and, and in terms of Higby, you have to go into 2020 expecting he's not going to put up those crazy numbers that he had in the end of the season. That's something that you can't duplicate. He was averaging over 20 points per game. He was boat racing every other tight end in fantasy football in terms of production with Gerald Everett back. And also keep in mind, Everett's a guy who uh, before he got hurt was leading the Rams in snaps at the tight end position in targets, in yards, all that stuff. Right? So I like Higby. He scares. He's one of those guys that I'll draft, but he scares me. Because I'm not 100% sure what the role is that he will be playing in his offense in 2020. I know 
that it won't be what it was at the end of last season. Just how much less will it be? How much will Gerald Everett eat in terms uh, of the target share there at the tight end position? The good news is that the Rams are going to run more 12, so there should be more opportunities there for both tight ends to eat. Yeah, no, I can dig it. Listen, his, my tight end thing is like this. I'm trying to find that guy late in the draft that can pop. Kind of like how Darren Waller was last year. Something along those lines is where I kind of look and how I kind of go. Now, obviously, Jared Cook is not nowhere near my draft board. Bigfoot will not see the light of day on any of my fantasy teams. Bigfoot? It's not going to happen. Yes, I call him Bigfoot, Mike, because we always hear about the talent, but we never see it unless oh, he's eliminating funny, Dallas man. Cowboys from unless he's eliminating Dallas Cowboys Dude, from the playoffs. Oh, stop. I have nightmares <laughs> about that. Jared Cook, at that point in his career, I mean, who couldn't catch a cold? And that guy <laughs> caught that pass from Rodgers and Crosby hit the field goal. I, I remember when Crosby hit the field goal, I was laying on the floor wearing my Rodgers Staubach throwback jersey, just sick to my stomach, thinking, what the hell just happened, man? Earlier that morning, I bought tickets to the NFC Championship game. Mm. Oh, wow. Mm. Yep. Earlier that morning, I was like, yo, I'm going to go ahead and do it because I know it's going to happen. You know what I'm saying? And when that kick went through those uprights, uh, it was, so- I remember my girlfriend at the time called me and she was like, are you okay? And I was like, I'll talk later. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Good times. Good times. Definitely. That's what it is. And that's what the NFL brings us. And that's what fantasy football brings us. All right. So let's get ready to go ahead. And, and Mike, I'll start with you. And then, Doc, I guess you'll play referee. Um, In the pre-show email, I was like, let's get a group of guys that you think ADP is too high. And, of course, Michael Fabiano, who I thought was my friend, shot back with a pair of Cleveland Listen, Browns. Man, let's, I love let's, you. Let's, love let's, you, let's start with Nick Chubb, bro. All Come right, on. Let's don't do, do that. It. No, dude, I love Nick Chubb. I think he's superior in terms of his talent, brother. I love him. He's playing with another elite running back. Like, listen, I have drafted Nick Chubb in the second round, and I'm happy to do it, but he's an RB2, okay? I can't ignore the fact that he averaged 13 points per game in the eight games he played last year with Kareem Hunt. Kareem Hunt averaged right around the same, 13 fantasy points per game. Nick Chubb is going to be one-dimensional as long as Kareem Hunt is in the mix because, well, Kareem Hunt is the superior pass catcher. If Nick Chubb were the featured back in Cleveland, guys, he'd be a top-five pick. Don't get this twisted. I love Nick Chubb. I don't like the situation he's in. Doc, I'll make it even more clear. Go ahead, Doc. Go ahead. I'll make it even more clear. If you are in a standard league, Nick Chubb is a first-round pick for sure. Okay, there's not even sure. a question. The guy's yeah. going to have 1,200, 1,300 rushing yards. He's going to have 10 to 12 touchdowns, rushing touchdowns. But if you're in a PPR league, he's losing those snaps. He's losing those receptions. And that's why he becomes a second-round pick in a PPR format. So, I, I mean, I don't, and I'm probably a guy that I'm not taking in a PPR format, most likely. But that doesn't mean I don't like him either. It just means it depends on the league you play in. If you play in a standard league, Nick Chubb is a stud. If you play in a PPR league, he's a very good player, but not going to lead you to a fantasy championship. See, even for me, Doc, I think 10 to 12 touchdowns is high. I don't know that he's going to get there. Honestly, I think if I got eight touchdowns from Nick Chubb, I'd be pretty happy about that. Look at the numbers last year, eight games, two touchdowns. He had I what? I believe he had six before Kareem Hunt came back, and then he had two the rest of the year. And but, they brought but- in Austin Hooper. 10 to 12 touchdowns is a lot for Nick Chubb. 
It is, but I think Stefanski's offense is going to be better because I think Baker Mayfield's going to be doing way more play action. And as opposed to Freddie Kitchen, the nightmare known as Freddie Kitchens, who changed the strategy literally <laughs> every week or every quarter or every down, I'm not sure. I think that the, the, the Browns are going to be more solidified and Chubb will know his role and Baker will know his role. All right, look, I'll give you nine touchdowns. If, the over, if we're in Vegas and the over-under is nine, that's tight. It's probably a push right there. All right, so... My thing is the Kevin Stefanski thing is, and, and you see what Kevin Stefanski does with these running games. My thing is also the offensive line improved this year. We got Baker Mayfield, which should improve. I think the offense in general holds up. I think it's enough to support two top backs. And what you see, it used to be a time in fantasy when we would put two backs from the same team, you know, on from the same team on our fantasy teams. We used to really do that back, back maybe about seven, nah, maybe not, maybe about a decade or so ago. That used to be a thing. Can that be a thing in fantasy again, Mike? With starting two running backs from the same team? I just go out there and roll and roll. I can absolutely roll. see it. Yeah, man. If Nick Chubb is my RB2 and Kareem Hunt is my flex, yeah, I could see it. <laughs> Not Nick Chubb is my RB1 and oh, Kareem Mike, Hunt is my RB2. Like no. I, I, if you're talking about just starting two running backs, I mean, I guess you could probably do it, but you could do better. I can tell you that right I now. I was talking about Chubb as the RB1 and no. Hunt as the RB2. I, I love you, man. I can't do it. <laughs> I can't. I just can't do it. I hope I'm wrong because I think he's one of the most talented backs in the National Football League. But Kareem Hunt is also a pretty damn good back, man. So And Stefanski, like, I get it. Like, last year in Minnesota, Dalvin Cook had his breakout year finally. Stefanski did not have two talents in the backfield like he does. Don't tell me Alexander Madison is every bit as talented as Kareem Hunt. And I know you won't. And Madison got hurt last year for about four or five weeks. Right. If, if again, if Nick Chubb was the guy in Cleveland, top five pick. But with Kareem Hunt in the mix, I am haunted by what I saw in the second half last year. Those two guys playing together. And the the even though Nick Chubb was averaging 19 touches a game and Kareem Hunt was averaging right around 10 or 11, Kareem Hunt was averaging far more points per touch than Nick Chubb. And Nick Chubb had some stinkers, man. I remember the, the week 16 championship. He absolutely buried me. I think he was playing against Baltimore that week, and it was just a nightmare. So look, time will tell. I'd rather play it safe. I'd rather have Nick Chubb as my RB2. All right. So, Doc, um, so let, 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 let's, 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 let's go to the, the outside of the Cleveland Browns offense. And, you know, let's, I'll start with you, Doc, because you haven't been blocked by said player. You know what I'm saying? I think when you look pound for pound at the NFL wide receivers, outside of DeAndre Hopkins and Julio Jones, none of them are more talented as Odell Beckham. But right now he's going off the board in most drafts as wide receiver 12. Let's not kid ourselves like OBJ cannot be WR1 when this thing comes to an end. Yeah, it's funny. I was in a draft was the other couple of nights ago. And I took Beckham in the third round, and I felt great about it. I had the eighth overall pick, and I took Beckham in round three. And I think people are saying, yeah, he's not the same. And I think people are looking at the Browns passing game, and they're just – they saw with Baker Mayfield was such a disappointment last year. They were expecting greatness, and they got mediocrity. And that was being generous, to be quite honest with you. But that doesn't mean that Baker Mayfield's not a good quarterback. I think he was in a bad system. You put this guy in, a, in the right system, and he's going to be effective. I think he's a great play-action passer. I really do. He's very accurate. So is Beckham going to get 100 receptions? No. Is Beckham going to get 85? 
I think so. Is he going to get 1,100 to 1,200 yards? Yes. And is he going to get about eight or nine touchdowns? Yes. Does that make him a wide receiver one? I think it does. If you go with Fab's strategy of running back, running back, he could be your first receiver. Is he a second round player? No. Is he a solid third round pick? Yes, he is. Fabs, would you start a draft running back, running back, and Odell as your WR1? No, I wouldn't. They're, at that point, I'm going Allen Robinson. I'm going Kenny Galladay, for example. I have I have several wide receivers uh, ranked ahead of Odell Beckham Jr. that will be available in the third round. Cooper Cup, Mike Evans, for example, A.J. Brown, uh, also very, very likely to be a third-round pick. So in all likelihood, I'm not going to get Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, because most people are taking him. Second round's way too high for me. Uh, and third round, even to me, I feel like there's other options out there. I'm not saying that OBJ isn't talented, okay? He is. You can also argue that he did great things in New York with a quarterback who was maybe past his prime and Eli Manning, yep. right? So maybe he doesn't need that great quarterback to do great things. The offense that Kevin Stefanski likes to run is predicated on the running game. He likes to run a lot of 12 personnel. They added Austin Hooper in the offseason. They have Jarvis Landry. Kareem Hunt could be potentially utilized as a pass catcher in this offense. If you look back, and I know it's a small sample size, the best wide receiver performance from a fantasy perspective on a points-per-game basis in Minnesota was Stephon Diggs uh, during Stefanski's time there. Remember, he took over as the OC the previous year and then uh, was in that role all of last season. Diggs averaged about 14 points per game. Adam Thielen had about 10 points per game last year, but that was a lost season due to injuries. For me, I don't know that, and I could be completely wrong here, I don't know that Odell Beckham Jr. is going to be featured enough in this offense like he was in New York where he's going to be an elite wide receiver again. I just don't know that that's going to be the case. I have OBJ ranked as a mid wide receiver too. And again, I could be completely wrong about it. I have question marks about Baker Mayfield. I still in the back of my mind for some reason feel like Case Keenum's going to start games in Cleveland. I don't know why. It's just in the back of my head. And as great as Odo Beckham Jr. is, I don't know that this offense is prior, prioritizing wide receivers enough where he's going to give me 90 catches, 1,014 uh, or, or 1,400 yards in the air uh, and, and double-digit touchdowns. I don't know that that's going to be the case. Interesting stuff. All good points right there. Um, Doc, who would you rather have, A.J. Brown or Calvin Ridley? Well, I want to go back to something Fab said, and I'm going to then answer that question. I think a lot of it is when you draft. Kenny Galladay is not going to be there with the eighth or ninth pick of the third round, right? Because he's going with the first or second pick of the third round. So I think a lot of people, it depends on where you're picking is which receiver is going to be available. So, and then let's talk about AJ Brown and Calvin Ridley. These are two guys who probably will be going in the third or fourth round. I like AJ Brown's talent. I don't like the offense because the offense is going to want to run the football, as we know, with Derrick Henry. And Brown is the number one guy clearly there. So I just expect him to see a lot of double teams. So if A.J. Brown was playing for Atlanta, I would love A.J. Brown. Playing in Tennessee, where he's going to see double coverage, and because Corey Davis is a non-entity on the other side. I mean, when Jonu Smith is there in the middle, that's helpful. But I just think that we're looking at a guy who's going to get fewer receptions. I love what he does with those receptions, though, right? The yards per after catch is great. But Ridley is in a, in a prolific offense with Ryan, and he's a number two guy there. So he's never going to see that number one cornerback. 
And I think Ridley could really be special this year. So both those guys are definitely two guys I want to own. I, I want to I want to have on my roster. And I think that Ridley just edges out Brown by, by a smidge. Mike, what do you think? Same question. A.J. Brown, Calvin Ridley. Yeah, I've got A.J. Brown ranked slightly higher uh, because he doesn't have a guy like Julio Jones eating up targets uh, in that offense. I have Ridley at 16. I have A.J. Brown at 11 right now. A.J. Brown was dynamic and just unbelievably productive in the second half of last season. Maybe that efficiency is going to decline somewhat, especially considering what Ryan Tannehill was doing last year. He was playing at an MVP level and uh, you can't argue that he was playing unbelievable. In fact, I think in the second half of last season, it was Lamar Jackson, Tannehill and Ryan Fitzpatrick were <laughs> three of the, the three top quarterbacks in fantasy uh, during a stretch of time. But AJ Brown is a guy that is going to see more targets. I feel like he'll have more catches um, than he did last season. Clearly, he's a guy who's going to go over 1,000 yards. I think he can get you 8 to 10 touchdowns. And with Calvin Ridley, I love him too. Don't get me wrong. I see I see Ridley as more of a high-wide receiver too. Uh, I see A.J. Brown as potentially being a low-wide receiver one this season. Interesting stuff right there. Interesting. Listen, the Tennessee Titans decided they're going to run it back. Tannehill, Henry, saw how A.J. Brown played down the stretch last year. So that's got to be that's got to make you feel pretty good if you are a backer of the Tennessee Titans. I just worry about them scoring enough points, the Tennessee Titans. That 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 worries me, but I do think A.J. Brown is a talented young man, and I do think he is well worth the investment in fantasy football this upcoming season. And I'm sitting here, and I'm scrolling down some of these wide receiver listings, and, Doc, I want to hop in here and, and, and jump on the situation in, in Denver. Uh, Cortland Sutton, you know, they bring in some of the young players and stuff like that, and the the lock the Drew Lock thing is interesting to me too. Not so much that I would put Drew Lock on my fantasy team. Maybe if I was in a three quarterback league, but I'm looking <laughs> more like I'm That's looking funny. more like can he can he put up enough? You know, can he do enough to make these wide receive these talented wide receivers as good as they should be? Is this the year that John Elway finally kind of like figures it out and we see we see fantasy production from Sutton, Judy, and Hamler? Exec, I, I love working with you, man. You love Dwayne Haskins, but you don't like Drew Locke. I mean, this is great. I, 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 I love me some Drew Locke, and I think that Locke is one of those one of the more underrated quarterbacks this year. Would I roster him? Yeah, as my second guy, but I mean, I want to have a, an established guy first. A super, certainly in a super flex league, I like Drew Locke. And why do I like him? He looked really good at the end of last year. I don't think people expected him to really have the command of the offense that he did, and he looked pretty good. Now, what did Elway finally do? He gave him some pieces around him, and that's what you have to do with a young quarterback. You can't just give him one guy and say, okay, here's your one guy. The, the rest is, is good. You got to give him pieces. So, Cortland Sutton, solid. Is he going to catch 90 passes? Probably not, but it's going to be somewhere between 75 and 85, and he's going to be the number one receiver. You add Jerry Judy, who, if anybody watched this kid play in Alabama, he's special. I mean, really, he's special. And in a best ball league, I, I love Jerry Judy. You've got Noah Fant, who's a very fast uh, tight end on the outside. You've got Philip Lindsay, and now you've got a running game with Melvin Gordon and every good young quarterback needs two things. One, 
a running game, right? Because it takes the pressure off him. And two, that tight end who's the security blanket. And fan, I think you've got that. So you've got all the pieces in place for Locke to be successful. I think Sutton is certainly a wide receiver too, depending on how you set up your roster. I would prefer him as my three, to be quite honest. But I mean, if I went running back heavy in the beginning, he might be my two. And Jerry Judy is certainly somebody that I'd be eyeing as my four. And I think if I had him as my four, I could really win a lot of leagues, especially if he hits those particular weeks. I remember the first time, Fabs, I seen, I watched Jerry Judy play. It was me and my cousin. We was watching some college football. And I just said to myself, wow, who is, who is number nine? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, he jumps off the page. Is yep. it going to be able to hit in his first NFL season? I don't know about in his first NFL season. I feel like he could end up being second in targets uh, on this team. A lot of that depends on how effective Drew Locke can be. You know, he had that one big game last year against Houston from a fantasy perspective. The other uh, the other four starts were, were mediocre at best. So I, I feel like the jury is still out on him. But Judy is a guy who is going to demand targets, right? I still think Corlin Sutton's not a breakout candidate. I feel like he kind of broke out a little bit last year. But a guy who can still... Uh, improve in terms of his ceiling. I think there's still more that he can do uh, statistically. Judy, though, at this point, he's a wide receiver four, and I feel like you have to, because we haven't had OTAs, because we're not having a preseason, you have to expect that some of these guys are going to get off to a bit of a slower start statistically uh, than maybe some of the rookie wide receivers have in the past. And let's also keep in mind that the majority of rookie wide receivers are not going to come out and make a big splash. I mean, even A.J. Brown last year, he was worthless in the first half of the season for the most part. And then in the second half, boom, he exploded. So I don't expect Judy to come in and be a consistent fantasy point producer. Probably not a guy I'm starting week in and week out. I feel like that's a no-brainer at this point. But I like his long-term projections a little bit more uh, than I like his short-term in 2020. Any any, any commentary on, 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 on Drew Locke and the rest of that offense? Drew Locke, to me, is a, is a quarterback three. So, I mean, I laughed at the fact that you, you know, you, you probably weren't going to take him as anything more than that's what he is, especially if you're in a 10 team league, if you're in a 12 team league and it's sort of standard where you don't have to be concerned about starting a second quarterback. It's not a super flex league. It's not a two QB league. I haven't seen Drew Locke being drafted in a lot of the leagues that I'm in as well. They have a lot of talent. They have a lot of good young talent. KJ Hamler's there as well. He's a little bit banged up at this point. Melvin Gordon. I feel like he's still going to lead that backfield in touches, although Philip Lindsay will get his as well. So that's why Gordon's not being drafted as an RB1. I really like Noah Fant this year. I feel like he could end up being, you know, you talked about earlier in the show, you know, that tight end that you get late that sort of goes off like Darren Waller did. You know, Chris Herndon is a guy that comes to mind, but so is Noah Fant. And you look at his numbers. I mean, you could potentially get him in the double digit rounds. He could really pay dividends for you. All right, Doc. If you had to draft a player in Houston, not named Deshaun Watson, who would it be? That's a great question. So that's why they brought me here. Yeah, <laughs> I think. All right, I'll I'll do it. I'll give you a snippets of of guys. I know a lot of people want to take David Johnson. I think he gets you to the fantasy playoffs, but I don't think you win a championship with him. I think he lost a step, and I worry by week fourteen after he has so many carries under his belt, that he's going to be losing two steps. A lot of people like Will Fuller this year, and I do too. He's got chemistry with Watson. But have we ever seen Will Fuller stay healthy for a full season? No. I think the safest player and the guy who's most under the radar 
is a guy named Randall Cobb. And I'm not saying I love Randall Cobb. I'm saying if you're looking for a receiver late in your draft in a PPR format and you're looking for a guy, I mean, they paid him a whole lot of money to come in. And I think he becomes the reliable target for Watson because Cobb is a great route runner and he will be in the right spot, which we can't always say about Brandon Cooks, right? We, we can't always, I mean, Fuller's just running deep, right? He's going to run those fly patterns. But I think Cobb is going to be one of those guys, much like Cole Beasley was with the Bills, much like Danny Amendola has been everywhere. I think Cobb gets five or six receptions a week. So I'm going to pass on Cooks. I'm going to pass on David Johnson. And if I'm going to take a Texan, I'll take Cobb maybe in like round 15. Very interesting stuff right there. If he can stay healthy, I think he could be a, a nice asset for Deshaun Watson. Mike, I, I was I like to watch a lot of um Mike Lombardi. I think he's very good the way he breaks down the NFL. I used to work with like Mike that. at the NFL Network. Yeah, he's he's amazing. I think he's very good. And last year he would always say the Houston Texans play their best ball. The Deshaun Watson looks his best when Will Fuller is healthy and on the field. Would you agree with that? Look at the connection they've had. There was a stretch where every single week those those guys played together. Uh, Fuller was fine in the end zone. And it's the, the Texans wide receiving group, it's all about whether or not they can stay healthy. Uh, Brandon Cooks, it's not like this guy is past his prime. He's kind of right in the middle of his prime, I would say. If he can avoid injuries and, and hopefully he doesn't have to deal with the concussions which he's had in his career, then he could end up being a, a pretty decent fantasy asset. Same thing for Will Fuller. If Fuller can play 14 to 16 games, he can easily be the number one fantasy wide receiver in Houston. Randall Cobb, same kind of thing. I agree with Doc. He could be the most targeted player in that group. I mean, think about it. He's a slot receiver, and he is a player who's got sure hands, who can make plays. There was a there was a short stretch last year with the Cowboys where Randall Cobb was very startable in fantasy. He was putting up some pretty good numbers, so... The problem is, which one of those three guys is going to actually be the player who is durable, who avoids the injuries, and who demands the targets? And that's why we're all kind of guessing. We're all drafting basically based on ceiling here. And I see Will Fuller going in a lot of drafts ahead of Brandon Cooks. I have them ranked really, really closely. But we're all betting on these guys being able to play. And injuries are not something that you can really predict unless it's Jordan Reed, I guess. <laughs> that, that, that's about it. So whoever stays healthy out of that trio is, is probably going to be the guy who has the most fantasy value. For me, I have Cooks ranked first in Houston and then Fuller right behind him. And then Randall Cobb probably uh, as a wide receiver five. But somebody's got to eat up those 150 targets that New Hopkins left behind when he was inexplicably traded to Arizona. Uh, the greatness of Bill O'Brien once again in action. Hopefully Deshaun Watson can bail him out again if you are a Houston Texans fan. Also, shout out to everybody in the Houston, Beaumont, Port Arthur, and Lake Charles, Louisiana area as they you know take cover and bear down for what looks like a pretty big storm headed in that direction. So definitely want to keep everybody out there in our, in, our, in our hearts and make sure that you are staying safe right now as you get ready for fantasy football in 2020. Danny Woodhead was a guy that you can predict the injury. Ah, I Danny one, Woodhead, man. <laughs> one year, <laughs> I was working with my good buddy and good friend, Matt Medica. And Matt had Danny Woodhead everywhere. And I was sitting there week one. Me and Matt were sitting there watching the game in the studio. And you just see Danny Woodhead. I'm talking about the first quarter. You see Danny Woodhead holding his leg, telling the cart to come out. And I'm like, there you go right there. He had four there receptions, receptions by that point, though, Zach. He was killing it in the first quarter. Oh, you remember the year, you know, do you remember the year when um 
when Keenan Allen tore his ACL. Yeah, yep. in the second half, right? In the second half of the game. And the, well, no, early in the game. Yep. He had like seven receptions. By that point, right. <laughs> <laughs> he had seven receptions already. Yeah. He was going to be a beast that year. What's up with him this year? Why is there no love for Keenan Allen this year? I don't think there's a lack of love. I think it's more of, well, the guy that he'd been catching passes from his whole career is gone in Indianapolis. Tyrod Taylor, as a passer, we, we can all sort of agree that he's probably a bit of a downgrade from Rivers. The rapport has got to be developed, right? Again, mm-hmm. no OTAs, no preseason games. And in the past, Tyrod's running with the twos in practice when Rivers was the one. So there, there's got to be a chemistry that's gained there. But I feel comfortable with Keenan Allen as a wide receiver, too. Not a wide receiver, one. I don't think mm-hmm. he's catching 100 passes in that offense, right? Uh, and if you look at Shane Steichen, when he took over as the OC last year in Los Angeles, 35% of the targets went to running backs. And, uh, yeah. of course, Austin Eckler uh, at the top of that list. Well, I think Eckler could catch 100 passes this season and not Keenan Allen. Yeah, I mean, I, I love Eckler. What you say, Doc? I, I think the problem is Tyrod Taylor. I, I like Tyrod Taylor, and I think he gets you to the playoffs, right? He's solid. He's not going to hurt you. And, and in fact, in many ways, he helps you. But he's not going to take the risks. He doesn't have the chemistry, as Fab said. And I think, you know, there's a lot of dump-off passes going to Eckler. I think Hunter Henry gets a bump up. I mean, Mike Williams is is falling down my draft boards Ugh. because I just don't trust. And I love the player. I just don't yeah. love the quarterback. And then is it better when Justin Herbert's there? I don't think so. So maybe in two years it is. But Keenan Allen, I can't imagine that I'm going to draft him on, on any of my rosters. It's not that I, I love the player. I just don't love the situation. And to take him as my two... I'd rather have Cortland Sutton. I'd rather have DJ Chark. I'd rather have Terry McLaurin. There's a lot of guys with more upside there that I want. All right, there you go right there. Thanks a lot, Dr. Votto. Thanks a lot, Fabs. This is the SI Fantasy Podcast. Don't forget, it is Fantasy Football Week here at SI.com. Make sure you're going over to SI Fantasy Plus. Sign up. The rankings, the articles, the tools, everything you need to win in 2020 is there. Let that be your guide. Let this podcast be your guide. Wherever you listen to your podcast at, particularly your fantasy football ones, make sure that you subscribe and make sure that you give us a like so we just shoot to the top of the list and then we can be like, you see, we told you, and then y'all win your championships and we win your championships. It's going to be fun. I read an article yesterday in the Washington Post and it spoke about the lack of enthusiasm for fantasy football this year. I think that may be true right now, but I guarantee you when the pads start popping and we see these players on the field, you're going to wish you did your homework beforehand and we'll see that enthusiasm come back. Would you agree with me, Mike? You know, absolutely. Heck, dude, we're all, a lot of us are still kind of stuck in our houses. You can't really do anything, right? You, yep. you, you can't really go out to eat unless it's all outdoors. There's people out there who aren't wearing masks. There's people wearing masks. I mean, everything's going on right now. Nobody knows uh, what the future holds, right? So fantasy football is, is the great escape. It really is. The NFL is the great escape, man. We all want to be, we want to get away from this pandemic situation and get back to some normalcy. And what is what the got, most Doc? normal thing about oh. sports? Fantasy football. There you go. What do you got, Doc? Yeah, I agree with Fabs. 2020 has not been the year that we were all hoping for, but I think if we can get 16 games of football, right? If we can get a full season, I think people will, will watch. People love sports. We want our sports and football is our favorite. So I am just, I'm literally, I'm, I'm praying for America and I'm praying for football and I'm praying for everybody's being safe. For Michael Fabiano, for Dr. Roto, I am the fantasy executive, Corey Parsons. Make sure you like this podcast and tell a friend to tell a friend. We are out.